0: Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Señor, te damos gracias que nos das el privilegio de ser llamados Tus hijos y tus hijas. Damos gracias, Señor, porque tú nos has ofrecido este regalo, esta identidad. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us into sonship and daughtership with you. And we pray, Lord, that we would now receive this in an even deeper way today. In your name we pray. En tu nombre oramos. Amen. You may be seated. Se pueden sentar. And when I uh, approached this text, this gospel text of the baptism of Jesus, I have to say I was a little disappointed with it. I, I I read it and I read it and I said, "There's just not much here. Like, what am I supposed to preach on? Give me something more." Um, and and I think it's in part because uh, in in Advent we have this these quite a few weeks of reading about John the Baptist. And did, did you guys read the stories of John the Baptist here during the Advent? One of them? Okay. There, there's, in, in Luke especially, there's so much on this kind of fiery Old Testament preacher. Uh, John the Baptist is one who comes out of nowhere. He's. I think if he were alive today, we'd want to kind of avoid him a bit because he's pretty loony. Uh, he's dressed very strangely, He eats really strange things. Um, but he has a message, and he has this very, very powerful message, very dramatic message. He says that the valleys will be filled and the mountains will be humbled. He says that there's going to be this Messiah that is coming and even the earth will pave way for him. This Messiah is going to come with power, with authority, with wrath. He will come to destroy those who are not part of his kingdom. This is the message of John the Baptist. And so he says, be ready, repent, and believe. He starts telling the people who, who are gathering around him, the, the crowds, he tells them, make sure you share your resources with one another. He, he tells the soldiers, do not extort, even though you can get away with this, and there's absolutely no repercussions. Do not uh, abuse your power. He tells the tax collectors, to also not abuse their position and take more money than they are supposed to, even if that has become normal in their society he 's calling people to change the patterns of their lives to change the directions of, of their choice making. He says because there's this messiah who's going to come with full power and authority to destroy all those who oppose him he 's going to be like the winner who 's going to throw the wheat and the chaff up in the air, the chaff is going to blow away and will eventually get burned in unquenchable fire. And the wheat, those who do follow him, will be preserved. This is the message of John the Baptist. And so when I approach, finally Jesus comes onto the scene. He's there with the people. And it's not nearly as dramatic as John the Baptist led me to believe. I was quite disappointed. and, and when you read the story of baptism of Jesus, you kind of know it's loaded with something. You know that it's powerful, and you might see some things, you know, there's, there's kind of the heavens opening, that's pretty dramatic, but all you have is a voice, and, and, and the voice doesn't do a whole lot, it just says something about Jesus. You have, you have a, a bird fluttering on the shoulder of Jesus. And, and so there's, there's a sense in which that can feel disappointing, even to us today as it did for perhaps John the Baptist on that very first encounter. And and if you can identify with this, even just a little bit, I want you to hold that because there's something that Jesus is doing that he wants to play on this feeling of this powerful Messiah who is coming, and yet he comes in a way that we didn't quite expect. He comes to the Jordan with other motives. If you read with me in Matthew 3, uh, chapter, 4, uh, chapter 3, verse 13, that's the gospel reading for today. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John the Baptist consents. He lets that happen. That's fascinating, actually. John the Baptist, for a second, even if it's just for a little bit, uh, resists Jesus. He resists the, the way that Jesus approaches him because John the Baptist has the same narrative that he's been preaching, and his narrative is true. His story about who Jesus is is absolutely true. But Jesus first, before stepping into that full authority and power, he comes humbly first. He comes into the Jordan um, rejecting this identity that John the Baptist has fully placed upon him. Um, John the Baptist expects Jesus to come with that power and authority, kind of blazing in with, with that, such that it would make sense that the inferior prophet, John the Baptist, would, would kind of do the honor of being baptized by this uh, superior leader, by, by the, the Messiah who's coming, uh, who, John the Baptist, for whom has been preparing the way. And so that makes sense. I think it even makes sense to us that, Jesus finally come, and so his, the ministry of John the Baptist is submitted uh, to the ministry of Jesus. But Jesus says, no, not like that. And, and the world, I think, casts a lot of identities and, and narratives upon Jesus. And I think it's, it's pretty easy for us to, to name a few of those. I, I think that when you go outside the walls of the church, it's pretty easy for people to, to connect Jesus to maybe fundamentalism. A kind of belief that if we just do things act perfectly well in every way, morally speaking, then God would approve of us. And, and that is what we have to maintain primarily. And that Jesus is somehow connected into this kind of, of, of rigid immorality. Uh, it could be political scandal. It could be uh, people for, perhaps with a more eastern bent uh, see Jesus as a... As a enlightened guru who has much to offer, much tranquility and peace to offer the world. Um, The world also sees Jesus uh, perhaps as um, as kind of a a sappy Christian poet who says a lot of nice things and it makes you kind of feel good internally, uh, but that's basically the extent of, of his ministry. So the world casts a lot of ideas on who this Jesus is and Jesus himself does not take those upon himself. But I think we within the church also tend to, to do what John the Baptist is doing and cast certain um, aspects of Jesus' ministry and, and let that be the full picture. Um, I think it's, it's pretty clear to see that in, in the political world. Um, when on, on, uh, those, uh, those on the, I guess this is my left, so I'll go over here. Those on the left might say Jesus is kind of the thrust for um, for social justice. He is the reason why we're out there in political activism and that in some ways, the gospel is much closer to socialism. And so you might have people on on this side talking about those things about Jesus. And then you have people on this right that say that, no, Jesus actually came for freedom and liberty and came to free us from tyranny and and honors our free will. And so um, the kinds of political structures that you're espousing are are tyrannical toward us. kind of putting things, taxes on us and, and uh, affecting actually the gospel, um, the capacity to share the gospel. And so you have these different polarities. You have different people saying different things about Jesus, even within the church. And I'm not here to say one or, or the other is right or wrong. Um, but what I am trying to say is that Jesus takes these and they just slide right off. Because Jesus is not interested in playing our games and playing our politics Jesus had a different vision. We absolutely love power and authority. It's something that, that moves us. And I think it's, it's most highlighted by the fact that the Marvel movies are the only ones that are uh, make, breaking the box office these days. We love this kind of heroism, of strength, of grit, of wit that pushes against all odds, against these unseemingly uh, impossible obstacles and in the end is victorious. We love those stories. They're powerful and they're great. But Jesus did not come to the Jordan with that in mind. Jesus came to the Jordan humbly. He came with kind of leading with a different aspect of his identity. And I think he did this to identify with us. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus is actually coming in obedience. He's coming to identify with us because we also need to obey the Lord. He's coming to identify with us in our vulnerability, in our need for repentance, to show us the way to the Father. Jesus was telling John, yes, I know you want this power. You want this authority. You want to see it because you are vulnerable. Because you are easily defeated. This is our story. We are vulnerable. We are easily defeated, easily tired. But Jesus said, no, let me do this my way. Let me pursue humility. That even though I do not need this repentance, I will submit under this authority under John the Baptist, under his ministry of repentance. Let me enter into vulnerability so that I can display the the kind of humility that happens when great power is relinquished. Let me wash away the temptations and false narratives that this world is hoisting upon me that my own heart craves, perhaps? Let me move downward, relinquish my claims to godlike status and walk the way of the cross. Jesus is entering into the Jordan, into the baptismal waters to identify with us, to show that he too is human and weak and vulnerable. He's intentionally choosing this. You guys might remember the story in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is kind of at the very last bit of, of his freedom before he is entrusted to the Roman soldiers, and his, his faithful soldier, uh, Peter, takes out perhaps a dagger or pocket knife of some sort and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers, and Jesus says, no, you shall not do this, and, and he picks up the ear and heals the man and says, do you not know that at any point I can call upon an army of heaven, of angels to defend me, but I'm not going to do this. He's intentionally going into the baptism, uh, to the waters of baptism, admitting his deep need and his vulnerability and washing away those temptations that assail him, And by doing so, he's also inviting us into that same humility. Jesus went to the baptismal waters to identify with us, but also to invite us into them, to join him in the Jordan. Because by joining him in the Jordan, we can share in that full identity that he has, both vulnerable, but also with power and authority. Keep on reading with me verse 16 and on. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. By, by coming to the waters of the Jordan this way, you can see Jesus moves the heart of the Father. Jesus moves the heart of the Father. In in the same way, perhaps, we're moved when we see uh, Thor or Hulk bash the enemies, right? In the same way that we're kind of moved to tears when, I'm not going to do any spoiler things here for Star Wars, but when, when Rey finally comes into her full identity, We're moved by what we see. A father is moved when when their son or daughter shows hard work and determination, shows a, a kind of maybe generosity of spirit and freedom to love and serve their siblings. We're moved by these gestures. And what moves the heart of God is not the authority or the power of Jesus, it's his obedience. So much so that the Father bends the laws of nature and he opens the the skies. Perhaps it's clouds parting, but the language is so violent. It's the the heavens tearing open. And it's reminiscent actually of of a prayer back in in Isaiah 64 when when the Israelites of old, of of the, the upper tribes, they were being assailed by the Syrians and that they were battering the walls of the city, and they were uh, absolutely afraid and praying to the Lord, oh God, would you rend open the heavens and come down and save us? That was their prayer. Bring your salvation. And of course, they were defeated. They were utterly defeated. But here God is remembering that prayer and says, I will now pour forth my salvation. The heavens gape. And the Son is raised up from the water. And at that point, the rift between heaven and earth are healed once more because of the absolute love of the Father for his obedient Son. On a cosmic level, the earth and heavens are healed because of this obedience. And as the Son moves up from the water and the Father comes down from above in the the form of the Holy Spirit and the dove... They're all united, and we see this Trinitarian love, this full love of the Father loving the Son through the Holy Spirit. And the fact that it's a dove also indicates to us that the flood waters of wrath have fully receded. There's land for the dove to land upon. And you hear this voice, the voice of the Father who utters these words, Uh, Precious words, the most precious words that any creature of God will ever, ever hear. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are utterly, utterly loved. You are my absolute pleasure. Can you imagine what it's like to hear those words from your Father, from your Father in heaven? Have you ever heard those words? You are my absolute love, my greatest pleasure. By stepping into the Jordan humbly, Jesus moves the heart of the Father to utter delight, to joy. And he receives the deepest recognition and affirmation and identity that anyone can receive. It is not about authority and about power, about resiliency, about moving on up in the world. It's not about financial stability or even internal tranquility and peace. It's about sonship, it's about being called the son and the daughter of the father. And that it is out of this identity that the heavens move, that earth and heaven are healed. The Creator God sings sonship and daughtership over you. This, this is my son, this is my daughter my love, my affection, my delight and pleasure. Jesus was baptized in the river of Jordan in that way to receive that identity, to share that identity with you. Because as you are baptized into those waters, as you have received that baptism, the Lord has begun singing over you and has been giving this to you since the day you were baptized, and it is us with slippery hands, we receive and we let it go. Hold on to it. When you are baptized, you also join him in the Jordan. You too choose very intentionally to follow the kingdom of God, to choose the death of your sin nature To choose repentance and obedience, to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and the full power and authority that does come with that. You have received that in your baptism. And you are also promised to be children, to be children and heirs, co-heirs with Jesus of this kingdom that has not yet been fully revealed. There's this very there's this clip in the, uh, in the letter, 1 John, where John is, the Apostle John is really encouraging the the people, his readers, to, to be faithful to God. And he, he steps into this kind of um, almost a, a poetic and just a, a lovely song that he, he is just kind of coming out of him. He's, he's te- not so much teaching as experiencing and, and uh sort of speaking this over or writing this over the people who are reading it. It says in John chapter 3, he says, Behold what love the Father has lavished upon us. Behold what love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, he says. That is what you are, son and daughter of the Father. He says the reason the world does not know us, does not understand what's happening here, is because it does not know him. Speaking of, of God, of the Lord. Beloved, we are God's children now. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been fully revealed. But what we do know is this. When He is revealed, when He comes in full glory and power and authority, we shall be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. I think at this point, John is just so saturated and immersed in this reality of being called a son. And he just sings as, Oh, behold what love the Father has put upon us, that we shall be called the children of God. And I encourage you, if you have not been baptized, if you have not followed the Lord in this act of obedience, if you have not dipped your toe in the waters of the Jordan with Jesus, do so, and you will see that this most fundamental identity of yours will just flourish, will blossom like a flower. You will receive the full forgiveness of your sins, and you will hear the words of the Lord, you are my son, my daughter, my love, my pleasure. And if you have been baptized, and Identity as as child seems so far from you. It seems like something that people preach about, but don't quite step into that, don't know how. Just enter into this this, uh, um, time we're going to have of renewing our baptismal vows and just listen for the voice of the Lord. Say no to those temptations that come upon you, those false narratives and identities that either come from sin in your life, from hurts in your life, from others around you. Say no to greed and hatred, to lust, to cynicism, to apathy, and let your heart be washed. Let your heart be washed by the waters, and let the Father sing over you once more. And as you receive it, hold on to it. It is not easy to receive those words. I have heard the voice of the Lord call me son plenty of times, and by the end of the week I've forgotten. It happens. But the more we return to that, the more frequently we return to that, our hearts will be washed clean. And we will know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord will rupture heaven and earth. He will come to save us. He will come to be with us. And he will do anything to be close to the son and the daughter he loves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for modeling to us the way to the Father's heart. We give you thanks for entering that Jordan. Not needing the forgiveness of sins, but still entering into that vulnerability. And we thank you for inviting us in. Thank you for inviting us to the water's edge. And we pray now, Lord Jesus, that you would sing over us. That you would wash our hearts, wash away the filth and the stains of this world. And we ask, Lord Jesus, to hear your voice. Father, would you sing over us and remind us once more of this truth that is so hard for us to hold on to and to grasp? that we are your children. The Lord says, you are my son. You are my daughter. You are my beloved. My deepest delight and pleasure. the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.